All right, I'm going to invite Ben and Dr. Tony. Why don't you give them a hand? How's everyone doing this morning? You look good. You smell good. <laughs> it's a bit freaky, isn't it? Well, I hope you're doing well. It's, uh, it's great to gather this morning and gather together as the church and um, so excited to see so many people out here live this morning, but also that are watching on the stream too. And uh, those that are sick or unwell, we're thinking of you this morning and uh, we'll be praying for you as well. But uh, it's great to gather together and these are interesting times that we live in. And um, I think it's amazing the Australian spirit looking at some of the memes on Facebook and some of the funny moments and, and just people in the midst of uncertainty and fear, finding a way to have a laugh and be able to enjoy themselves and be able to say, you know what, I'm still going to trust God in the midst of this. And there is a seriousness about this occasion. And we wanted to take some time this morning to talk about that, talk about some measures we're putting in as a church. It is changing times and ultimately... When we look at what's happening at the moment, it's, I guess, kind of unheard of. And so there is some things going into the future when it comes to church and church services that there's an uncertainty around that because it is changing by the day. And so at the moment, we are a church that we have under 500 people that meet in our services. So um, as the government's asking us to do from Monday and then beyond, we are, we are more than welcome to still meet. But that can change very quickly at any moment. And so we're encouraging everybody to make sure that you get your... Uh, details to us so that we can send an email out, keep you updated, look at our social media. We'll just keep putting things on there as well to make sure people are up to date. And I know that this is in many different uh, formats and, and, and flavors for churches, that uh, there's creative ways that they are looking to be able to do this, as is acceptable by the government. Even churches that are 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 are just doing multiple services because they are allowed to have 500 in a service at a time. And so that is actually what the Prime Minister has suggested to do to churches. So at this point in time, obviously we are still allowed to meet, but we will just keep you updated. If we do need to, we will just go to our live stream and uh, you'll still see our beautiful faces, but uh, it will just be through a computer screen or a phone screen as well. And so I just wanted to say that from the outset, just be aware of that, what's coming up, what's happening there. And so I just thought with Dr. Tony, he's a GP in Blacksland and an uh, incredible member of our church. I thought it'd be great for us to have a chat. Come on, give him a real hand. He's an incredible guy. <laughs> I'm starting to get worried then about your popularity, Tony. <laughs> but uh, we just wanted to just take a few moments and just talk a little bit about this in just in practical ways. And so I've got a few questions here for Tony. The first one's this. How does fear affect people when a pandemic happens in society? Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Ben, for asking me to come along and talk. This is the largest surgery gathering I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> And it's all on Medicare, so I just want to let you know that. <laughs> there, will, there will not be an extra collection, OK? Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, as Ben said, you know, there's a serious point to this. Uh, you know, we Australians, we tend to sort of... Um, tend to look on the light side of everything because that's uh, part of our character and it also gives us strength. I think uh, there's a couple of things... Fear is one of those things that's just sort of defined as a... Uh, an uh, unpleasant emotional experience to a perceived threat or danger. 
and certainly what we're seeing at the moment is one of those uh, dangers that we, we can't see, we can't uh, get close to, and it's all around us and we don't know where. So there's a certain element of fear that's generated by that. I think there's a couple of things that we probably just need to sort of look back on in terms of sort of trying to get that fear into some sort of helpful perspective. The first is that an epidemic. An epidemic is one of those things where you get a rapid spread of uh, a disease through a community. We've seen that in uh, the province in China, we've seen it in uh, northern Italy, and we've seen it in a lot of other places in the world in the past. Uh, and I think the important thing to remember is uh, the human race has survived all those challenges in the past, and part of it's through our ingenuity and our capacity to change and adapt to our environment. But the epidemic is one of those things that we're seeing in places, and that's the scary part that involves us all up close and personal. A pandemic is different from that, uh, and a pandemic is when there is widespread uh, involvement in the disease, which we, we've now become involved. It's in a large number of parts of the world, but a pandemic doesn't mean epidemic. And a pandemic is one of those things we have a capacity to control. We have a capacity to make some measures that are going to allow us to adapt to that. Uh, it will involve some changes in the way we do our normal business. Uh, and that's not an, a nasty thing. That's really in terms of looking past what we personally need and starting to look at what society needs in order to overcome this menace. Uh, and that's the measures that Ben's been mentioning about uh, smaller numbers in gatherings because that's when the threat will become more real uh, and also giving up things. It doesn't mean wrestling each other in the, in the aisles of Woolworths over toilet paper, but it means probably being more considerate of each other in terms of how we all perceive this threat because we'll all see fear as a different thing. Some people have a very, very strong faith and they fear nothing which is the perfect place to be. But a lot of people, because we're human, we're all going to have certain fears. We have fears for ourselves. We have fears for people we love. Uh, and we have, especially have fears for our children. Because you know, part of the world we're trying to create is one that's going to be good for them. And so uh, part of that process is going to involve sort of combating the fears we might have. Part of our problem in, in today's society, and I'll just draw out that, that you know, Today we have uh, instant news. You know, the, the human race has developed all sorts of skills and tools to be able to let us know exactly what's happening everywhere immediately, uh, even if we don't necessarily need to know it. Um, the, the phone we carry around in our hand is a very useful tool in terms of managing that, but also in terms of uh, alerting fear, it's a, a dangerous piece of equipment. We've all just faced in this community here the, the fear associated with bushfires. Uh, and that was what something was up close and personal. This is a more difficult one to appreciate because we can't see it. We could see the bushfires, we could see what we're doing, we felt for everybody in the community. And I guess probably in terms of this, this is only starting at the moment and how it's going to fall out and how it's going to run out really is beyond our control. We can make measures, but such as many things that happen in the world, um, God's given us skills to deal with them, but he also continues to place challenges in our path to try and create us into a better type of human being than we can often demonstrate. So I think you know, this is a challenge we all have to face and we all have to put something into it uh, and address our fears and work through that. That's great. And I really believe that 
Although this isn't orchestrated by God, God can really use this moment because all across the world, everyone is being reminded of their humanity right now. And they are thinking and they're asking some really big questions. And uh, I think that there's going to be a real awakening in people's heart that follows this. And it's going to be the finest hour for the church as we walk through this, because I think there is going to be some people looking towards Jesus and thinking about what's life all about? What does eternity look like? And so this is a really great time for the church to shine brighter. And so we just wanted to talk about some practical measures, Tony, that we are, are taking place and, and, and some practical things that we can all kind of apply, some measures in this to try and reduce the risk uh, of infection at this time obviously as you would have seen there's hand sanitizer stations that we've set up we've encouraged people that are sick or unwell to stay home and watch on the stream to, to self-isolate and do those kind of things that we need to do but what's some things we need to know tony well i, I think a lot of the things that we need to know uh are probably the most important one uh pandemic has a, another word hidden within it which is panic uh, and the most important thing we don't do in in the face of any personal challenge or society challenges to panic because once we panic we stop thinking logically and we stop looking outwardly and we stop giving we tend to close down and those sort of things are the sort perfect sort of environment for things to go awry i think the simple measures are basically coming back to um, um, hygiene and that involves uh, covering your mouth when you cough uh, or using some sort of tool whether you use your elbow or whether you use a handkerchief there may be big marketing handkerchiefs for any entrepreneurial people out there. But, uh, City uh, church do... handkerchiefs coming to you very soon. <laughs> City church handkerchiefs, that's really good. But, um, measures like that, washing the hands is a simple measure uh, because they have shown this virus has spread uh, and can be destroyed by soap, which is available right next to the uh, toilet department in the, in the supermarkets. <laughs> And it's probably a more effective weapon than toilet paper. <laughs> but, uh, and and uh, avoid touching your face. I'm, I'm being conscious of this, uh, just having had some spare time myself recently, as to how many times I actually touch my face. And I've got fingerprints all over it. It's just, it's one of those nuts. <laughs> saw that. Uh, so it is one of those sort of human qualities we have, but that is one of the things you can, you can pick it up. You can pick it up by touching something and then it, with the immediacy of that and introduce it to yourself with unconsciously. So simple measures like hand washing, avoiding spraying because it is spread by a droplet infection, spreading it around. So masks aren't one of those sort of things that's going to protect you because, again, same sort of thing. It will protect us from people that have got an infection and it's advised for people that have got an infection to wear a mask so they don't spread it locally. But because of the way it can be spread to ourselves, having a mask on doesn't keep your hands off your face and those sort of things, whereas the simple measures of washing your hands and avoiding you know, staying away from people that have, have got infection will help lessen the chance of it spread. Um, the type of virus we've got at the moment is one of those that uh, has a fairly high infective rate. Um, viruses are spread according to how many people, if I had the virus, how many people I would infect potentially and the virus at the moment is around two the one they've shown in some of the more serious ones we've had in the past have been three and four in terms of i will infect at least four people i see so then that spreads out in a ripple effect and by breaking down the the chances of that happening with uh, improved hygiene and barrier mask and getting assessed if you feel you have symptoms will help us as part of the strategies we can easily develop to minimize the amount of disease that spreads 
and certainly to slow the process down while we find other measures that may be helpful. So, Tony, just finally, what's some ways that we can stay positive at times like this? Obviously, this is, as a medical professional, this is in your face, day in, day out. I'm sure many people and patients are talking to you about it. But what's some ways that we can stay positive in moments like this in our society? Well, I think, you know, we've got a lot of things available to us in terms of staying positive. One is we have a lot of knowledge uh, about previous events in the world and how we uh, adapted to and changed. Uh, so there's strengths in, in the knowledge that we have capacity to, to deal with these things. A lot of it comes down to personal strength. Um, within families, uh, you have leaders. Uh, we have to look to leaders in, in groups uh, because they'll give us strength. Uh, we probably have to look at our own faith and it's one of those things that maybe I find sometimes when you're faced with an adversity, you're faced with a challenge, that it will enlarge your faith pr primarily for the reason that you want help. But uh, in moving forward, it also gives you that capacity to look at things from a different light. And I think perspective is how we look at these things. If we look from a perspective of fear, then we're going to see terrible things. Uh, if we look from a perspective of our faith and looking through uh, how I can improve this circumstance rather than what's this going to, circumstance going to bring to me, then all of a sudden our, our capacity to handle the circumstance becomes stronger, becomes more effective. And part of this process with, uh, when we face with a worldwide or a potentially worldwide uh, disease process, a lot of it comes down to what am I going to do for someone else? Because if you feel that you have the disease or you may have the disease, then the process of self-isolation, uh, which is not a terrible thing to do and it's certainly going to benefit those close to you, is an initial process. And also being conscious of uh, just simple measures, like I said, avoiding the process where you may potentially spread it. Talk to people who have got disease or that. You don't have to talk person, person to person, but we don't walk away from each other. I think the most important thing is uh, the strength in community, the strength in uh, gatherings, the strength in our faith as a combined weapon. And we all need to lift each other up in this process rather than walk away from the ones who might be impaired. Part of our uh, problems in, in society is often we isolate people who are um, minority groups and there will be a certain minority group that uh, we can perceive as bringing a threat. but. It's through no fault of their own that they may have the disease. It's just part of that random nature of life. And I think what we need to do is to find strength in our faith, overcome our fears through our faith, and also use that faith as part of the knowledge process to look at what things we've been told we can do and to start to implement them. That's great, Tony. You know, the church has always been about gathering and scattering. You look through the Bible and you look through all the different times they, they met in homes, they met in, you know, met, met together in small meetings and things like that. And so the church is not a building. The church is not a Sunday service. The church is us. Wherever we are, we are the church. And so the church will only get stronger through this because together we can be stronger. We can sit together. We can let the light of Jesus in us shine brighter. If we're online, if we're in connect groups and we're not meeting in services, if we're not doing those things, we are still the church and the church will still move forward together. And so I just want to take a moment right now and I want to pray for you, pray for your protection, I pray for your family. I want to pray for the world right now. And let's really believe for God's hand to come in in a supernatural way and see an end to this in Jesus' name.
So, Lord Jesus, right now, we thank you that you are with us, Lord God. You're in us. You're working through us, Lord Jesus. We thank you in these circumstances and in this hour is an opportunity for the church to shine brighter. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are with us, Lord God, in all the challenges that we face. And I pray right now, Lord God, for every person that calls City Church home, for their family and for their friends and for our community, Lord Jesus, I just pray for your safety and your protection. I thank you, Lord God, that you're with us in the midst of all of these challenges across the world. I pray that there would be an awakening of people to come alive, to know that you are with them, Lord God, that you are here. And I pray, Lord Jesus, throughout the earth, I pray that you would give solutions to doctors and scientists. I pray, Lord God, that we would see just miraculous things take place. We'd see healings and miracles across the earth. And that we would see ourselves being able to move on from this virus, Lord God, and not to be able to hold people back and not be able to create fear. And we declare this is a place of no fear. This is a place of faith and peace and trust in you. This is a place of hope and joy. This is a house of salvation. And we pray, Lord God, wherever the church would be, the church would be strong and would grow and would move forward and be healthy. We ask it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you thank Dr. Tony? Appreciate that. <laughs> well, why don't you take a moment, don't hug someone or, uh, or uh, give them a, a high five or a handshake. You might make them feel uncomfortable. Why don't you give them a, a side bump, a fist pump? Why don't you smile or wave? Say hello to someone this morning. Take a few moments and we're going to be back in a second. Why don't you join us? We're going to sing another song.
So oh. 
salvation You chased on my heart through all of my failure and pride Oh, the hill you created Light of the world, abandoned in darkness to All of our situations and all of our stories are different, but you are the author of the story of our lives. And Lord Jesus, I pray today as we take some time to look at your word, I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would build us today, Lord. You'd help us to rise up and become all that you're calling us to be as your church. And we ask it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I just want to speak for a few moments this morning, and we've been talking about the idea of influence throughout this year and believing for God's influence on us and God's influence through us. And I wanted to specifically this morning speak about influences. We are all called to be influencers. Our key scripture for this year is out of Isaiah 61 verse 1, and it says this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." That is the job of the church. That is the job of all of us as Christians to be able to proclaim, to be able to be an influencer. God's Spirit is on us, but God's Spirit also works through us. How does God choose to influence the world? He chooses to use people. So therefore, you are called to be an influencer. It doesn't matter about your personality it doesn't matter about perhaps the experiences that you've had in your life. It doesn't matter about some of those things that sometimes want to be disqualifying points. Perhaps you don't feel like you are as educated as the person that's sitting next to you. Perhaps you don't feel like you have the same charisma of someone in your family or somebody else that you would highlight as somebody that could be a great influencer. 
God loves to take our story, the good, the bad, the ugly, all parts of us, and be able to use it for His glory. How do I know that? Look at the disciples. They are a mess on legs. If you look at their story, if you look at the way they behave, the way they act, it's a huge encouragement for us because Jesus picked them. And He also picked us. I stand on this platform this morning as a mess on legs, just like you, mind you. We are all a mess. It's been the grace of Jesus Christ that has saved us. And so it's not about being perfect, but it's about using what God's given us, the good news, the gospel, the story, spreading it out. And how does that happen? It happens by somebody receiving Jesus, and then there's a spread. I don't want to say it this morning. But it's like what's going on with this virus right now. Somebody gets it and then there is a spread. It's contagious. It's the same with the gospel. When we receive Jesus, there is a spread that starts to take place. There's a contagious nature that starts to come on us. The church is contagious. There is an influence that comes out of our lives as we receive Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is on you, so walk in confidence. Walk in the authority of that. Walk in the rest of knowing that you don't have to earn it. It's been freely given. You have it. It's on you. You're not still trying to pedal to get the Spirit of the God on, on you. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's on you. He's in you. He's working through you. So you've already received that. It says, because the Lord has anointed me too. God anoints you for assignment. He's given you a task. It says the Spirit of God is on you because... The Spirit of God is an opposite spirit to the world that we live in. How do we know that? Because in this passage, it talks about us bringing good news, release, freedom, light, and favor. And if you look at the world right now, there's a whole bunch of bad news. There's a whole bunch of dark times that are spoken about. There's a whole bunch of people that are locked up and broken, that need freedom and that need release. There's a whole bunch of people that don't feel favor, but they feel condemnation. But the gospel cuts across that. It's a difference. It comes into somebody's life and it changes. It transforms. It's the divine exchange. Your brokenness is laid down and God's blessing over your life is given to you. And it's a great reminder right now as the church of Jesus Christ, we are not going to be fearful or afraid. We are going to be wise, but we are going to understand that what God has done in us, the Spirit of God on us and working through us can make an impact for good in these times. The light of Jesus can shine brighter. In fact, in Matthew 5 verse 14, it says this about you and I, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, like the Blue Mountains, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. At times like this, isn't it incredible that God still tries to use us and wants to use us as influences of light in a dark world? 
that you are the light of the world as you walk out into your community, in your family, in your friendship group, wherever you would find yourself, you can be a light. You can be an influencer. There can be a difference about your life that everybody else perhaps is down. If everyone else is disappointed or sad, you can come into a situation and have a different spirit. You can face the same obstacles, which we don't deny the obstacles, we don't deny the challenges that are in front of us, but we can have a different way of approaching it in Jesus Christ. And that's the hope of the gospel. There's no greater influence in dark times than the light of Jesus shining through us. And so this morning, just for the next 15 minutes or so, I just want to speak out of this passage in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you join me there? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. This is the story of Jesus handpicking his disciples. This is the story where Jesus walks along and he looks for people that can follow him and that can be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. We know the disciples so well today, but in this moment, they were unknown. They were unknown, they were uneducated. They were people that looked like they were the wrong candidate to be able to be picked as a disciple. But yet Jesus looked by and he found these people. It says in Matthew 4 verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net out into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now we know from history that that was a life defining moment. What that looked like for those disciples in that moment was a massive risk. To say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to leave everything behind, the security of my income, the security of of all of those things that come along with that, the financial benefits of that, my family. I'm going to leave that behind and I'm going to physically follow Jesus around the earth, wherever he would travel, and I'm going to learn and grow. I'm going to commit my life to following Jesus. What's interesting to me is we don't even know at this point whether these disciples are saved. Jesus just picks them and starts discipling them as soon as he meets them. I think there's a great principle there, that we have people in our world today that they may be a minus 10 from Jesus right now. They may be so far from ever wanting to come to church, just so far from ever wanting anything to do with God. But we can start straight away discipling them. We can start straight away loving them, including them, taking them along the journey just like Jesus saw them. He invited them in to relationship with him. He just started treating people with love and respect. And it was amazing what opened up. We could see their lives completely transform over the years that would follow. But in that moment right there, it just looked like some rough fishermen that were chosen. It seemed like Jesus made the wrong choice but he believed. And I'm so glad that Jesus is like that with us. He believes in us. He sees through our faults and our failures. He sees through our filters that we try and hide what's really going on the inside. Jesus sees through all of that and he loves us as we are. 
It's so incredible. So three ways that uh, influencers live differently. The first one's this, influencers see differently. You notice in this passage, it says that he saw two brothers. And then it goes on to say in verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Jesus had an eye to be able to see people. He was aware of the situation. He was aware of the people that were there. Even though they didn't seem like they were the greatest candidates, Jesus still saw them. He saw them. He saw who they were and he loved them anyway. What I'm noticing time and time again now is when I go to look at buying something online is what they are doing more and more is they are not putting the price next to the product. And so you go online and you fall in love with the product. And then you have to call them or go into the store to find out how much the price is. But by then you're already gone. Because you want that so badly, you'll pay whatever the price is. You just want to have it. And that's the same with Jesus in this moment. He doesn't put some kind of weird price on it. He says, I love you as you are. I'm not trying to look past it and trying to sell something to you. I love the product. It doesn't matter how much it costs. I love you. It doesn't matter that you're not perfect. I love you. It doesn't matter that you're going to mess up. These disciples were going to doubt him. They were going to deny him. They were going to abandon him. And we saw that unfold in the Gospels. But Jesus just said, you know what? I love the product. I love the person. And he paid the ultimate price for that, for you and I. Jesus dying on a cross. His blood was shed for us because he loved us that much. He didn't care about the price. He just cared about the product. He fell in love with the people. You know, the thing that's interesting about this story is that Jesus was considered in the cultural times, uh, in, in the Jewish environment, that he was a rabbi. And so usually what would happen is somebody goes and chooses to follow a rabbi. They don't get selected by a rabbi rabbi to be someone that would follow them. But Jesus actually does that differently. He doesn't just wait for the disciples to come to him. He went to them. He chose to go to them. Something really interesting about how they did that journey was that it wasn't just about education. It was about experience. As they understood that there was a rabbi that had chosen them to, to, to follow them, to do life with them. It wasn't just about come and see my sermons and my lectures. It was actually an understanding that they were actually called to a life of encounter, doing life with Jesus, having meals with Jesus, doing each day with Jesus. They could not believe that they were selected to be those people because fishermen were not selected. People that seemed to be uneducated, people that seemed to, they, they weren't the person that was studying at the synagogue. They weren't the person that, like a Pharisee that understood and had a great knowledge of, of the Bible. Jesus just took them as a rough, uncut diamond and said, I see you and I see what you could be and I believe in you as you are. I read this article and I want to read a, uh, just a small section of it to you just to give you a bit of an understanding about how perhaps we see discipleship differently to how it was actually seen in Jewish times. It says, though the word disciple, which is methetius, means learner, biblical discipleship was very different from modern classroom learning. On a college campus, a professor might give lectures to students in a large hall The students take notes and they're tested on the material later in the semester. But there's usually not an ongoing personal relationship and sharing of life between professor and student in the university setting today. 
In Jesus' time, however, following a rabbi meant living with the rabbi, sharing meals with him, praying with him, studying with him, and taking part in the rabbi's daily life. A rabbi's life was meant to be a living example of someone shaped by God's word. Disciples, therefore, studied not just the text of Scripture, but also the text of the rabbi's life. This is why Jesus didn't simply ask his disciples to listen to his preaching in the synagogues. He said, come, follow me. And basically inviting them on a three-year camping trip as they journeyed throughout Galilee together during his itinerant ministry. Think about that. Day in, day out for three years living with Jesus. How much his disciples would have been influenced by his example. They'd notice the way he woke up early to pray. They'd witness his compassion in helping the sick. They'd be struck by his pressing need to go out to the sinners, Gentiles and outcasts. They'd also observe how he taught the crowds, debated his opponents, called people to repent and offered them mercy. Much of Jesus's way of living would have rubbed off on his disciples. And how much in Western society today, perhaps have we lost that? Where we can boil down our faith in our Christianity to a mere theology or a service that we attend or a connect group that we show up to. What it's really saying here is we've got to take the decision to follow Jesus as a personal one. He saw us as we were, but he didn't want to just leave us there. He's called us to follow him. And so there's a journey that takes place, a journey of encounter, not just building up knowledge, but doing every day with Jesus. And we can do that today where we can wake up in the morning and we can pray, we can read the word, we can spend time with him, and we can do what the Holy Spirit's directing us to do. We can encounter. And that's the best way to live the Christian life. Not just a whole bunch of knowledge but actually applying it, encountering, living. I love this. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God's looking at you. He's seeing you. He's looking straight at your life, and He loves you as you are. See, Jesus, He saw Zacchaeus up that tree when nobody else saw him. Jesus saw blind Bartimaeus when he was crying out for someone to help him and he was getting pushed back from the crowd. Jesus saw the woman caught in adultery when they brought into Jesus, hoping to get permission to be able to stone her. Jesus saw those moments and he saw you. He's seen you in your darkest days. He's seen you in moments of distress and pain and moments where you feel like giving up. Jesus sees you where you're at. He does not look past you. He does not look for a better candidate than you. Jesus has a track record and history of using the unlikely. He takes people that aren't qualified for it and he uses them instead. As I said, we don't even know at this point whether the disciples were Christians. Isn't that crazy? Jesus chose a team that he wasn't even sure of their faith, but he just decided to take them on the journey. It says, actually, the Gospels say that we have come to believe, John speaking. And so we know that they weren't believers initially, but they had come on a journey to believe in Jesus. But Jesus just took a risk on them. And I want to encourage you, who are you seeing as an influencer? That perhaps right now, man, that seems impossible. They seem so far from God. 
This seemed like someone that would never, ever walk into this building. But you would say to yourself, do you know what? I'm going to see something different. Everyone else has given up on them. Everyone else has looked past them. But I'm choosing to see that God could do something miraculous in them. Sometimes the people that are so far from God, like a guy called Paul, that was once called Saul, who would encounter Jesus, he was persecuting the church. Sometimes the people that seem the furthest from God, God can take and use miraculously. Who would have thought that Saul turned to Paul would write two-thirds of the New Testament? Who would have thought that? I'm sure so many people in the church in that day had given up on Paul. So many of them. But God had not given up. How does God see you? See, God didn't see them as unqualified, uneducated, unworthy. He saw them and He loved them. How do you see yourself? So much of the way that we see ourselves impacts the way that we see other people and the way that we react and the way that we act. I remember a few years ago on summer camp when we had the Sam Tucker injury. It's gone down in summer camp folklore. And uh, I remember Sam going down he, to tackle someone and, and really badly bumped his head. I was, went in the ambulance with him to the hospital. And what was happening is Sam kept forgetting what had actually taken place. And so almost in every 30 seconds, you had to keep explaining to Sam that he'd taken a head knock. He was in the hospital. He's getting treatment. Everything's going to be okay. And the shock and the fear of that would take place every 30 seconds because after that period, he would be like a goldfish and forget exactly what had taken place. And so it was one of those moments where you're just repeatedly telling him time and time again. And it got to the point where that, that was going on for quite a few hours. We were there late to the hospital and the nurses come by and said to me, Ben, you're going to have to leave uh, because you can't stay here tonight. We don't have space for you to be able to stay here. And so we literally wrote a note for Sam and sent him a message on his phone saying, call us in the morning, we'll explain everything. Because <laughs> he would have woken up having no idea why he was in the hospital, why his head was sore, what was happening. And sure enough, we got a call the next morning and saying, Ben, what is going on? <laughs> and so we explained the whole story to him and what had happened, what had taken place. But what, what had happened is he'd got an injury to his head, to his brain, that it caused him to just keep going on repeat. And sometimes we've injured ourselves that way with the negative things that we've spoken over ourselves. And what happens is we can't get past it. We keep reliving it. We keep reliving the hurt. We keep reminding ourselves every 30 seconds how bad we are, how much we're a sinner, how much we're so messed up, how God could never use us. And it just goes on repeat. And it's a negative cycle that we can live and we can be stuck in in our lives. How do you see the future? For we walk by faith and not by sight. Are we going to see the future with faith lenses where we're going to see things the way that God wants us to see? Or are we going to see doom and gloom over our lives for ourselves and for our family? The second thing this morning, as I rush through these next points, is influences speak differently. Jesus said to them, follow me. The candidates that should not have been chosen, Jesus chose them and asked them to follow him. How do you speak? The language of faith. Have you ever been to a country where you know just a little bit of the language? Just enough to be able to say, hello, how are you? And you decide that you're going to be so smart. You're going to be so good. And you're going to try out that language by saying hello to a local. And so you go up to them and you just might go, shine it up, Baba. 
I'm speaking in tongues because I've got no other language. <laughs> and, and then they just go, and you're like, I'm lost. I should never have even said hello because I don't even know how you've replied back to me. You've gone to a whole nother level. I kind of feel like sometimes we do that with our faith language with God. We know perhaps a small level of faith. And so we just say something really simply to God. And God's always speaking faith over us, always speaking faith into the future. And then God speaks back to us and we're like, whoa, I don't understand that, God. That seems crazy, God. Like, that's too much. I just know hellos and how are yous. And now you're speaking to me full paragraphs in faith. And God can kind of do that to us where he speaks to our future. and We don't think we've got it in us, but God says, no, I see this over your life. Trust me, I can do it. It seems impossible right now, but I'm speaking it over you. You can do it in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against you will prosper. It's those reminders that sometimes we need to go to the promises of God and allow the language of faith to be spoken over us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Scripture says. As we allow the promises of God to soak our lives, all of a sudden we start to be able to learn the language of faith. Just like a kid in their home, they learn the language that their parents speak. It's the same for us when we spend time with God, how we start to learn that language of faith. There's a difference. There's a different accent that we have to everybody else because we're spending time with our Heavenly Father and it's changing the way that we speak. So right now is a moment for the church to have its finest hour because we can speak in a different way. Not in a way where our head is in the clouds, not in a way where we're not using wisdom and we're being foolish, but in a way where we can have a different perspective, that God is in control when everyone else says that it's chaos. God has got things undercover. God's looking after us. See, look at some of Jesus' team. Peter, he denied Jesus out of fear. Thomas, he doubted the resurrection until he saw Jesus. Judas, he betrayed Jesus. Paul, he persecuted the church. These are people that Jesus handpicked. These are people that Jesus chose to use. And even though they faltered and they failed at times, as they spent time with Jesus, they just kept learning the language of faith. They started to speak a different way. All of a sudden, Peter emerged after Jesus had rose from the dead and he spoke and he preached and 3,000 people got saved. Who was this guy? that only days earlier was abandoning Jesus and denying that he even knew him out of fear. He was a man that had spent time with Jesus, that God had done work in him, and he'd started to learn the language of faith. What are you speaking over your future and over your family? Third and finally this morning, influences so differently. Influences so differently. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to give you all of me. I'm not holding anything back. The Holy Spirit's working in our lives and He's giving us all of His attention. You want to grow, you want to learn, you want wisdom that God says, ask for it. You want to be uh, somebody that is, is strong in your faith and living out as you're called to be, spend time with God because He's giving all of His attention to you. He wants to develop you. He wants to make you, develop you, craft, work on you. 
Help you to become all that you're called to be. That's what God wants to do in your life. And sometimes we forget about what God's doing on the inside. And we just have external things that we focus on. Things like gifting. Things like our abilities and what we can manage on our own. And we forget about going to God for that extra bit. I love in Scripture how it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't want to be in a world of fear and doubt and just be going around everyone just clanging my cymbal. Reminding them that, yeah, I can speak life and I can do this and I've got giftings and I've got talents and doing all of those things. I want to be somebody that catches the spirit of the gospel, catches the spirit of Jesus, which is love. I don't want to just do things out of duty and say things and act certain ways and just be somebody that is just living my life just in a natural sense. I want the love of Jesus Christ to radically transform me in such a way that I'm not just a clanging symbol that people are looking for cover and saying, this guy's just so noisy. The church is just so noisy. They, I just wish someone would love me. Yeah. And sometimes we're like that. We can be like, rah, 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 rah. We can speak our own church language and Christianese and it's rah, rah, rah to the world. They just want to be loved. They just want to know someone cares about them, hug them where they're at. Maybe not right now. (laughs) But just love people where they're at. And that's why isolation right now could be one of the biggest barriers. And I can, can I just encourage you as the church, we have this incredible blessing of technology. Jump on the phone, call someone. Don't let someone be forgotten. FaceTime someone. Say hello to someone in a way where we can just stay connected. We are the church, not just a clanging symbol. We're not just a clanging noise to the world. We're letting the love of Jesus Christ spread wherever we go in a way that is real. So the enemy wants to put one of these in our mouths. (laughs) He wants to silence the church. He wants to silence faith. He wants to silence the Christian belief. He wants to silence our proclamation over the future. He wants a whole bunch of Christians just... The enemies come to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life and life to the full. So let's take the dummy out and let's keep speaking life. Let's keep sowing into the future. Not sow to our flesh, but let's sow to the Spirit. Let's sow love. Let's make sure that in times like this, we don't draw back, but we lift up and we understand the name of Jesus is to be glorified and to be worshipped at this hour, just like at any hour. It's a time of breakthrough. It's a time where Jesus can do some real work in people's hearts. Wherever there's fear and wherever there's darkness, it's an incredible opportunity to shine light in Jesus' name. So why don't you stand with me this morning? He saw two brothers. He said to them, follow me. And then he said, I will make you fishers of men. God has anointed you for assignment. Jesus sees you this morning. Jesus calls you to follow him. And Jesus transforms you along the way.
Come on, let's lift up our hands this morning. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice this morning here in this auditorium, those that are watching online this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've called us to follow you. We may not feel like we're the greatest candidates, but Lord Jesus, you've still chosen us. And Lord, I pray that we would be influencers in this world today, that we would see differently, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would begin to understand that you've called us to speak differently, the language of faith that's coming out of the church. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would sow differently, Lord God. When others would draw back and be fearful and afraid, Lord, we would, sh- we would sow joy. We would sow peace. We would sow life into situations, Lord Jesus. We would sow your word and let it be planted in people's lives and trust you to bring the increase. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We're called to be influencers, salt and light in this world. And I pray, Lord God, in dark times that your church would shine brighter and brighter. The church of Jesus Christ would be strong wherever we are. There the church is. And we pray, Lord God, that you'd use us at this time. Your spirit of the Lord is on us and working through us, we declare. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. You know, I don't know where you sit spiritually this morning, but I know this, that Jesus changes the story of our life. And I want to pray the sinner's prayer this morning because just like Jesus, as he selected his disciples, he didn't know where they stood or where their faith was. That's an internal thing. You can't see that. But this morning, perhaps is a moment for you to turn your heart towards Jesus to know you've got eternity in heaven, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know you can live with hope today, to know the creator of the universe in a personal, intimate way. It's as simple as praying a prayer saying, God, come into my heart. (laughs) And Jesus changes everything. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And so right now, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, Today I give you my life. For my sins, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love for me. Help me to live each day serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the greatest decision you can make is to follow Jesus. And you know what we're really good at in the Western world is making Christianity so complicated when it's actually really simple, follow Jesus. As we read our Bible, as we pray, as we spend time with God, they're not religious things. They're just a response to following Jesus. And we can get so religious with services and things like that. And in fact, this is a great time for the church to be reminded that church isn't a service. Church isn't just a a certain function. Church is people and it's people following Jesus. And so can I encourage you through this time, whatever may come, Let's continue to follow Jesus. Press into Him wherever you find yourself. Let's do what we're called to do. Let's keep it real simple. Let's follow Jesus. Come on, let's worship Him as we finish this morning.